Paper Cut Podcast strives to be evocative and inclusive. Every Monday, we cut below the surface with folks that make the Winnipeg arts and culture scene thrive. Welcome to the Paper Cut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Elise Roller. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your projects. Okay, uh, I am in a band called Soul Hounds. Um, it's all one word, S-O-L-H-O-U-N-D-S. I have to say that because like it's not like soul, like we have a soul. It's like soul hounds, like the cooler way to say sun dogs. Anyway, I'm in a band called Soul Hounds, and I also work for Manitoba Music as a professional development coordinator. And that's what I do now. Oh, and I also book for the Pride main stage. And momming the whole time. Yeah, like, yeah, between... That whole solo thing with, like, the label, I ended up getting pregnant, like, shortly after I was, like, quote-unquote signed. Mm -hmm. And, like, the first thing that went through my head was, like, oh, no, my music career. Uh, But it hasn't really suffered. And, and of course, like, I couldn't release, like, this solo album and tour it right away. But I've been touring since Finley was 15 months old. It's just part of our life. And... It's like hasn't stopped me at all. It's actually just made me want to work a little harder. (laughs) So we have Finn here, actually. Uh, He wanted to ask you a question. Some of these things he was whispering to me. I didn't know that. I didn't know that, which I've been trying to. Hey, we got to maintain our levels here, but a lot of cool (laughs) stuff that he's learning. So you can ask the same question that you're going to ask before or ask whatever question you want. But Um, is it like stressful to like be like the host of like the main stage at Pride and actually just being in a band. Yeah. <laughs> Working in music and on any level, whether you're an artist or or an industry person, is extremely stressful because, um, well, like as an artist, you're constantly looking for. Uh, you're not just constantly looking for validation, but you're constantly looking for money because nobody pays for art anymore. Mm -hmm. So like on the band side, figuring out your value, whether it's by validation or whether it's like financial, um, is pretty tough. And then on the other side, like programming a main stage, like I have a huge heart for artists because I am one and my job is to help them. Um, that's tough too, because, you know, like I'm, I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with a lot of acts that submit and really want the job, but then on the back end, I have a budget and I have diversity guidelines and all these things. So I have to say no to artists that I wish I could say yes to. And then some of the artists that I say yes to, you know, can't even send me a stage plot on time and they don't really seem to deserve it or want it as much as the ones I have to say no to. And again, that has to, it's, there's a lot of things on the back end, like, um, you know, looking out for diversity, which is super, super important. Um, and it's worth all the extra stress that goes into it. But, um, and the budget thing is always really hard and, um, yeah, just trying to, to juggle all of that is super hard. And then other jobs in the industry, like artist management or whatever, those are like overworked, super, super underpaid jobs. Um, 
and it's all passion based. Like nobody is working in music for the money right now. It just that is not a reality. Mm -hmm. Um, one more. I'm sure this is a yes, but is it hard raising me? <laughs> well, no. It's I mean, raising any kid is hard, um, especially when you like have a million jobs and weird dreams that no one else understands. But you're a really good kid. You're not really a normal kid, and you're only one kid. And actually, I was saying, my mom visited me this weekend, and I was like, yeah, actually, when Finley goes to Calgary to visit his dad, it's like, I'm like, who's going to do the kitty litter and unload the dishwasher and take out the garbage and recycling? So I'm I'm in like particularly fortunate to have a hardworking kid that helps me. And uh, yeah, I mean... I wish I had more money, but <laughs> like if I wasn't like paying for all your stuff, I could have so many more clothes, but whatever. <laughs> That's what clothing swaps are for. Thank you. Okay, Thank you. time. <laughs> Peace. Bye. Good night. See you, Finn. Bye. Have a good sleep. I will. So what I want to talk to you a bit about is transitioning from... I think maybe you have a unique experience in that, but transitioning from being a solo artist into being someone that's in a band and how that changes uh, the way that you create. Yeah, um, for me, I think it gave me a lot more confidence. Um, I just felt like a little more powerful, you know, to have the band behind me. I felt like I could say a little more. Uh, it was a little more edgy. As a solo artist, I never sang about my sexuality. Um, I never sang about like sex in general or you know drinking or partying. It was all just like, oh, like my heart hurts all the time or I'm so in love or whatever. Um, and then you you know I got into a band with a bunch of guys and they'd be like, that's lame. Um, not to say I actually still wrote a lot of songs about like love and go for the eyes, but, um, it gave me a lot more confidence to write outside my like comfort zone. Um, and writing with somebody else, like I had never written with anyone before. It was always like, is everyone out of the house? Like, is everyone gone or all the windows closed? Like, I don't want anyone to hear me trying things out, but then working with other people, um, you know, it, it, you, you have to just like take that guard down and just like try stuff. And that's actually where I discovered my real voice. Um, cause I had been singing pop songs this whole time. Um, and, uh, Eric in our band, he actually like recorded us from home all the time. And he was always trying to like get me to push my vocals. And he's like, just like reach for it, reach for it. And then one day we were like, practicing in the basement and I hit this note and it was just like we just like stopped and he was like that's what I'm talking about and that's I, like that moment where I was like oh my goodness like I can hit those notes and it's like raspy and cool and like holy shit it didn't sound pretty but like that sounded awesome and powerful so that that was a huge change I discovered my voice in the band and uh mm. yeah it was, that, was, that was sweet I kind of want to go or you can go no, no if you have uh, to. something along the lines of like trying to find your voice a lot of people say like I'm not a good singer but is that 
some people maybe aren't, but what would you recommend for someone that's really likes singing, but they just like don't know where to go and where their their place is? I think just keep doing it. Like, I don't know if, you know, like I would like to say, oh, just try it. Just like try everything and like, you know, go into a closet or go into the shower and just like get out of your comfort zone. But I don't really think that's what happened. Like, I think it was just so many years of like, of trying things and performing and, uh, and like maybe jam with people and like listen to different music. Cause like, I wasn't even consciously, I wasn't consciously trying to sing differently. It just, it just happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think it's just like, keep, keep doing it and, and keep letting yourself out of the comfort zone. Like I would say like, don't try stuff, um, like in your closet, like find, find like a good group of friends that you can jam with and, and be like, Hey, I'm going to jam with my voice. And it might sound super weird, but like, that's what jamming is for. Like, you know, and you have to trust those people a lot. Like by this time, it was probably a couple of years into the band and I lived with those guys. So, um, it was very comfortable, but yeah, I guess that would be it. Um, working on the label side of things, the business end, how does that influence the music that you create? It doesn't really. Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny cause like, I guess maybe it does a little bit. Like when I was in Go For The Eyes, when we first started, um, we just like wrote from the heart and we just like wrote songs that we loved. And like looking back, I feel like we sold more tickets and had a more understanding fan base and got more media attention when we were just like really authentic. Um, But then as we started to gain more popularity, and you know started to get played on the radio we were suddenly like okay we have to write a radio hit and we would like purposely write a song to get it onto the radio but like it didn't that didn't happen like it didn't get on the radio or we it's I, like one of our EPs there was one song specifically where we're like yeah this is going to be our radio single and it's like everyone's least favorite song <laughs> on that whole EP and so I guess like from the industry standpoint is what I learned is like, you can't, you can't be like, okay, as a band, we're going to sit down and we're going to write a hit. It's like, you know, you can turn a hit out of something that was authentic. You know, you can go work with a producer who makes an authentic song better and, and better suited for radio or whatever but you can't like sit in a writing room and just be like, and, and just like pull something out of your ass and expect it's gonna go on the radio. And I know there are professional songwriters that like literally do write radio hits, but that's because they have they write a song every single day and they do have ideas that, that are um, authentic and they bring that to a writing room and they all bring their authentic ideas to a room and then they turn that into a radio hit so for me what's changed is when I write with soul hounds we never go downstairs and say okay we're gonna write something to go on the radio we just like jam it out and we're like this sounds super cool and like sometimes we'll finish a song and I'm like oh yeah that's like a three minute song with like a really obvious hook that's probably gonna be the one we work with a producer to become a radio single 
But like, we don't let that stop us from creating a seven minute song that doesn't have any like solid, you know, verse, chorus, bridge Mm -hmm. formula. Totally. Yeah. So as an industry professional, who is doing it right in Winnipeg right now? Give us your top three. Okay. Top three. Well, Micah Ehrenberg. Yeah. For sure. I mean, like, he's like, he's like Winnipeg's like sweetheart and... I think, again, it comes down to his authenticity. Like, he's so real. Um, I think one of the most amazing things about him is, like, you can see him perform with a band and, like, be partying so hard, and it's, like, the coolest thing ever, and they're all great musicians. And then, like, you can also see him perform acoustic totally on his own, and, like, the whole room stops, and they listen. So, like, he's either, he can take the same song and turn, like, make it a party. And, like, that song can also just be something that people stand there and listen to. And, like, it, like, he makes people feel things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, nothing about him, like, he has no air about him. He's not, like, he's so humble. And, like, he takes people under his wing and, like, tries to mentor them and... He just, like, passionately loves what he does, and he loves his music, and, you know, I've seen him, like, there's lots of industry knows who he is, and he's getting attention from that side, but he doesn't, like, he doesn't let that affect how he feels about himself or his music or how he presents it, and he isn't, like, you know, he's not, like, oh, yeah, like, if this, you know, label's interested in me, I'm gonna, like, give everything up to, like, have that deal. He's just, like, I don't know if that's a good idea, because I'm not sure what they want to do with my music, and I think that's amazing. So, he's definitely doing it right. I think the reason that people love him so much is, like, um, you know, I think people can see through you when you try too hard, and he's just not, he genuinely loves what he does. Um, and then another band like Mise en Scene, I've I've traveled with like so many bands, and like they've they have worked so damn hard to like to get to where they are, and they've been through so many ups and downs, and they've been to showcasing festivals all over the world, and like like that shit isn't free. Like they've just invested so much time and money and blood and sweat and tears into what they're doing, and it's like finally you know, it's finally paying off. And, you know, when when people see a band like that and they're like, wow, like they're just blowing up. It's like, no, like they seriously like worked their asses off. And like, this is years and years and years of cultivation. And it's another band that's authentic. They know who they are. There's like everything from like their visual aesthetic to their songwriting, to their performance. It's very real. You see like you see, you know, Steph and Jody on stage and their personalities on stage are exactly the same as their personalities off the stage. Um, just in a different, like, more, like, glorified, like, goddess-like way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've talked to them so much about being authentic and um, how hard you have to work and just, like, all those ups and downs that they've they've plowed through so that would be another one that I would say and then I'm just trying to think of like a third because like there's so many that um hmm that's a tough one you can't say soul hounds 
Well, <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, Soul Hounds is still just starting, you know, like, um, we haven't even, like, I haven't been in the band even for two years yet, so I feel like we still have a long way to go, like, I'm, you know, that's, um, yeah, so, no, not us. It's actually um, interesting that you say that, that only two years, if I... As someone that's not in a band, I feel like two years is a long time to be like, oh yeah, we're not even a band, it's been two years, but it seems like someone, you've been in the industry for a bit, and saying only two years, I think is sort of a bit encouraging for young artists that are like, you need to put in some work, this isn't gonna just happen for you. Oh, it's yeah. like, it should great. be. Like, if it was that easy to like put a band together and just get discovered, everybody would be doing it, you know? like there's a reason why bands fold and like all the time and the ones who truly make it are the ones that have gone through like five member changes and have are in like eighteen thousand dollars of debt from like touring and and like putting themselves out there and they're the ones who've applied for grants and like had people say no to them over and over and over and over again because like the entertainment industry is full of more no's than yeses. That's a really hard pill to swallow, but like, you know, again, like this is the, f being a performer is the funnest job in the world. Like everybody would do it if it was that easy and it's just not. And like, I always try to remind artists of that. Like you, you haven't been doing this for long. And I think like, if you haven't been working on this, like every single day, like aggressively for seven years, like good luck you might like you might be lucky there's a few you know it's funny because like holly there's like this hollywood version of the artist story like oh i got discovered in a karaoke bar like that shit doesn't happen <laughs> that's like one in a fucking billion like i hate that mentality and like tv shows and movies and stuff show that but that is not reality like or you know oh i got famous from youtube like that's happened for a couple people in the entire world mm -hmm. but like you look at every story like even go back as far as the beatles like how many no's did they get before they got a yes you know they were told that like guitar music was not a thing anymore you know and that was going out and like so yeah i just it, it is like two years is nothing it was not hasn't even been two years for soul hounds with with me in it and it's like that is nothing like you know and you you have to and, and when i say like seven years of aggressively doing it that's like seven years of like coming home from your day job and immediately going on your laptop and like researching and booking shows and contacting people and like like yeah i mean that's seven years of having no life outside of that <laughs> yeah on a completely unrelated note i'm gonna stop going to limelight now because maybe i won't get discovered <laughs> maybe i guess that isn't gonna happen that was maybe just a pipe dream um seven years of going to limelight every day after work <laughs> just just in the hopes of getting discovered yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was putting in the I work i put in my seven years yeah. of work yeah just not in a band or like in any kind of structure just solely focused on trying to get discovered um you so it's it's only been two years, but you guys have managed to go on tour. Yeah, like through the prairies, you know. And now... Time... So you say it like that. We want to know what that means. What yeah. do you mean through the prairies? Well, I mean, like, that's great. Like, you should always be playing shows and you should always be building new markets. 
Um, and you know, I guess to me, I'm like, yeah, it's like through the prairies, but it's, it's in Canada, like you can't, where I want to go with the band is like, I, I got to get out of the, the prairies, not like moving out of the prairies, but just like no industry is going to discover us in the prairies. And part of success is like being the best at what you do, but also being in the right place at the right time. And there's a lot of luck. Um, but like, I'm not going to go like if we play Regina, like four times a year, we have great friends there and we might have a great time, but like, that's not putting an opportunity in place where we may possibly get discovered. So the whole idea of like tour, well, the idea of touring is like build a fan base, but, um, I think it is important to like, you know, choose markets that can, uh, like, I don't know for us, like we want to be touring the world. We don't, we're not like a prairie festival band. There are artists that can make a career off touring the prairies and playing folk festivals and stuff. Like our genre is not meant for the prairies. Like it just isn't. So when I say like, it's just the prairies, it's like we do that because we have friends in those areas and it's like good experience and you don't want to overplay your own market. And every time we perform, we get better. But like for us, it's really important to go to Montreal and to go to Toronto and to invite like, you know, labels and managers and agents and, you know, everybody that we can to come see us because we need to like be putting ourselves into places that um, will book, you know, our genre at festivals. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So like how many people do you invite like? You said invite industry professionals and people from all over the place. How many people do you say you would invite to a show that you were playing in Toronto? <laughs> like everybody I know there. So, like, I'll probably, I mean... Do you reach out to people you don't know as well? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And um, that's a little bit harder because, um, again, like, the industry is so overworked, underpaid. If you're on the industry side, like, going to a live show isn't really fun anymore it's like it is a chore you love music but it's like man I just talked about music all day long at my job it's and the last thing I want to do is go to a show Mm -hmm. until 2 a.m um so unless you know you befriend them and make them care about you as a person it's pretty hard to make them care about your show um and that's why like I think it's easier for Toronto bands to get discovered because they are actually making friends with these people because they're neighbors and stuff Mm -hmm. but um I mean, I'm fortunate because of the jobs that I've had and like the internship that I've had. I've met these people. I've been with them, you know, in Germany and like made friends with them and been in contact with them. So I probably have like a hundred people in Toronto that I know that I can like Facebook message and be like, hey, what's up? Like I'm coming and they'll be like, oh my God, I'm so excited to see your band. I'm totally going to be there. Um, Do they come? Well, we haven't played there yet. With oh, Soul okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is like... This is, like, going to be new. Uh, like, we're March 29th at the Horseshoe. Uh, we're going to be playing in Toronto. And, you know, I'm already kind of, like, save the date. Save the date to all these people. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, we'll see how it works. Um, like, the other cool thing is, you know, I was, like, talking to a guy that I had in town this, this past week for a January music meeting. And I was like, yeah, like... 
I really want to get some Dino Lone Records people there. And he like he used to work there and he was like, oh, I, I can totally help you get people out. So even though I don't know the people there, like he became my friend, you know, and we like hung out this past weekend and he's like, I like you. He hasn't even heard my music and he's like, oh, I'll invite these people for you and like, I'll get a crew out, you know? So it's, you know, a lot, a lot of this is about building relationships and building your network. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for part two of our interview with Elise Roller tomorrow morning on Paper Cut Podcast. In the meantime, here's a preview of what's to come. And the idea of that is that, you know, all those females like sitting there listening to her are like, oh, she's a professional producer. She does that. I can do that too. Mm-hmm.